Um, yes, yeah, so this, um, this term we've been looking at prayer, we've, been, we've opened up the prayer room, um, we have been praying together and learning more about prayer as a church. Um, and on that, on Sundays, we've been going through and looking at the prayers of Jesus. Um, and suits, what, what suits, we've just read out the confession together. Um, one of the prayers of Jesus, or a few of the prayers of Jesus, looks at the idea of forgiveness asking for forgiveness, asking that God would forgive others. So that's what we'll be looking at today. On the 26th of June, 2015, President Obama had been asked to speak at the funeral of Reverend Clementa Pinckney. He was a state senator and a personal friend of Obama. The previous week, a white gunman had gone into a Bible study of his church and they had invited him in to the Bible study and at the end he shot and killed nine black members of that Bible group. And President Obama spoke at the funeral the following week. What happened in Obama's speech went viral and you might remember it. Um, I'm just going to talk about what happened at the end of his talk. He spoke about having an open heart. Obama says that's what is called upon right now. A friend of mine, he says, is the writer Marilyn Robinson, who calls on a reservoir of goodness beyond and of another kind that we are able to do to each other in the ordinary cause of things. He repeats that reservoir of goodness. If we can find that grace, anything is possible. If we can tap that grace, everything can change. Obama's speechwriter talks about this moment as if President Obama has suddenly become a preacher in the room. And he says that fewer than a dozen people knew what was then about to happen. Obama says, amazing grace. And he pauses. 11 seconds, apparently, which is a long time. And then President Obama begins to sing. Amazing and people start to realize what's about to happen. Amazing grace. By the time he gets to the last line, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. The whole arena of people have stood up and are singing with him. At the funeral of someone who had been shot dead the week before. And what I didn't realize and what I read about this week is the moment that led him to do that. Because actually, President Obama had said at the last mass shooting that he wasn't going to speak anymore about this. He wasn't going to cover the topic anymore. He was done because it wasn't working. There were no more gun reforms. People were still being killed. He was done. He wasn't going to speak. But he'd been invited to speak at this funeral, and it was a friend of his. And so he was trying to work out whether he should and if he did what he should say. 
And there was a moment that inspired him to say yes and inspired him to do what he did because a few days after the shooting, family members of those that had been killed went into the courtroom to face the killer. And in those moments, they were church members, they were Christians, and they said, we forgive him. We forgive you, is what they said. That moment of grace was on every news station, every headline in America. Their grace, that act of grace, inspired a nation and its president. Our reading today is taken from Luke 23, 34. Jesus has been arrested, he's been flogged, he's been tortured, and he's been hung up to die on a cross. And in Luke, we read of his prayer of the very people that have done that to him. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Amazing grace. In this moment, Jesus has fulfilled the standard that he sets in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. He's evidencing this love and compassion. He's modeling his own instructions of discipleship right there as he hangs up to die. Grace. Amazing grace. It is a defining characteristic of our God. It is fundamental to our Christian faith. But I don't know about you, but my humanness and my worldly response to hearing of this grace can be a bit, gosh, this is, this is really hard. I'm so rubbish. <laughs> I mess up all the time. I'm selfish. I get frustrated with people. I get irritable. I'm more ir- irritable now. I've got toddlers. I don't sleep much. I'm less patient with people than I was 20 years ago. I'm not always a good friend. And I'm thinking, how can I be better? How can I do better? How can I show more grace in my life? I was a rubbish friend this week. I got a message from a friend in a group chat saying she was going through a hard time. And, and I reply, a nice friendly response saying, we're praying for you. And then I think, well, I'm going to, I'll private message you as well. So I go into my private message chat And in that chat, I see the previous message was her messaging me two weeks ago saying, I'm having a really hard time. And I hadn't responded. I'm a rubbish friend. And I'm thinking, I can't even love my friends very well, let alone my enemies. And the temptation there is to go in on myself, to think, how can I be better? What can I do? How can I improve? How can I be a better, a better person? That's the worldly human response, right? Anyone here, um, has anyone watched the David Beckham documentary this week on Netflix? Hands up. A few people. <laughs> I've watched the whole thing. I'm a girl of the 90s. Posh Spice was my favorite Spice girl, so I've, 
I've binge-watched it this week. Um, but fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, okay, this tells a really worldly message of grace and redemption here because we show, we're seeing the story of where David Beckham, he's the rising star of England football, and he is playing against Argentina in the World Cup um, it's the knockout stages. He's scoring a lot of the goals in the World Cup. Everyone's watching him. And then he's knocked over. If, if you remember it, you'll know it well. He's knocked over by an Argentinian player. And on his front, in just a moment of, of anger, he lifts up his foot and he kicks this guy. He's given the red card and sent off. England go on to lose that game in penalties. And we're knocked out of the World Cup. Everyone blamed David Beckham for that moment. The captain, the country, the documentary goes to show the booze that he gets at every match that he goes to, the suffering that his family experienced that year as the whole nation blamed him. And they're filming David Beckham, aged 47 now, with tears in his eyes. He still feels guilty for that moment where he flicks up his leg he still carries that guilt for what it did to his family, what it did to their lives. And then, and then they showed a moment two years after that World Cup where David Beckham is given captain of the England team. And it's Greece versus England in the qualifiers. England need to tie the match in order to get through to the World Cup. And you can see David Beckham is running around the pitch. He's trying to win every ball. He's doing all he can. They go 1-0 down against Greece. And then in the final minute of that match, David Beckham wins a free kick and he scores the equaliser to get them through to the World Cup. And they go back to David Beckham now, and he goes, that was the moment I was able to rectify what I had done. What a human, worldly attitude we can have. We need to rectify our mistakes. We need to make up for what we've done wrong. We hold responsibility. We need to do better. But we don't follow that worldly narrative. It's this worldly narrative that can get in the way of God's way. We can get it all mixed up. The last few weeks, as I said, we've been looking at the topic of prayer. And actually what has come up time and time again, it's like, what is prayer? It's a oneness with God, John said last week. It's a closeness to God. And so God's kingdom ways that he preaches about on the Sermon of the Mount, to love our enemies, to live out grace, it's not merely an instruction that we then must perform in our lives by our own strength. It's not because we're Christians we must forgive. It's because we're Christians we can forgive. It's not that now that we're Christians, we, we must be free from sin. It's, it's because we're Christians, we can be free from sin. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he, said God, he says, God is able to make all grace abound 
to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It goes on to say that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Grace is something that is done to us when we get close to God, that is abundant and so flows out into our lives. And the people of the church that I talked about at the start, they weren't able to forgive this man out of their own sense of the world. They were able to find that strength from their experience and knowledge of our gracious God within a Christian community. I'm able to live each day without feeling rubbish and feeling like a rubbish bad friend because I'm trusting and seeing that God is working through my humanness and my weakness. God is able to bless even my friend who I let down through me, even though I messed up. Because grace, amazing grace. And we try and practice that in our lives as we're dealing with other messy humans. I come to a full stop when I feel irritated or I feel I'm not doing well enough when I go, Grace. Headline, grace. That's the banner that we're living under. As we do church together, as it gets messy, as we get busy, as we work out how to do human relationships with one another, as we work out how to come from our busy, messy lives into church, we've got to go, grace. Amazing grace has to be the banner over what we do. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's where we get it from. We get it from his throne. And so as a, as a church, we're going to do that now. We're going to worship together. And we're going to come to his throne in communion with one another, acknowledging the grace that he gives us. Um, we're also going to invite you to come and pray with our prayer ministry team during communion. Once you've had communion. This is, this is Jed. And you might be here today thinking, where in my life am I missing that abundance of grace? that we hear about on a Sunday morning, that the Bible tells us about, that Jesus tells us about. Where am I missing that grace? Let's bring it to God. In worship, in communion with each other, and in prayer.